Hello, welcome to Access Asia. Coming up, as COVID cases surge to a six-month high in China, frustration grows over draconian policies. People fleeing offices, shops, and amusement parks to avoid lockdowns. Tokyo rolls out a partnership certificate scheme for same-sex couples, granting them more rights. We ask if the change in the capital could spread across the country. And we visit Thailand, months after it effectively became the first Asian country to decriminalize marijuana. Legal gray areas remain. It's not just COVID that is spreading in China, but fear and panic. As cases continue to climb, authorities have doubled down on the draconian zero-COVID policy. Endless curbs have hit the economy hard and fueled unhappiness. Images increasingly popping up on social media of people being trapped outside their homes, unable to return until they can produce a negative test. Take a look. It's known as a place where dreams come true. But in zero-COVID China, it's become a nightmare people race to wake up from. Shanghai's entire Disney resort went into lockdown after just one COVID case was recorded. Everyone inside trapped until they could show a negative test result. I'm disappointed. We had to wait inside the park for a long time today. We flew in from Shenzhen for Halloween because there are supposed to be limited edition fireworks. And then today there are no celebrations, no fireworks and no parades of villains. I didn't see anything, and I had to wait until almost 10 o'clock before I could leave. China's zero-COVID policy is pushing people to extremes. These videos posted on social media show Foxconn workers escaping a factory outbreak. The facility employs nearly 300,000 people and makes around 70% of the world's iPhones. In a bid to avoid being caught on public transport, most travelled long distances by foot to return to their hometowns a desperate attempt to flee the poor conditions they would have had to endure under isolation. Apple supplier Foxconn has said the lockdown won't impact production in November, but some sources have said it could result in a loss of up to 30% of output. Under China's rigid zero-COVID policy, cities are given the power to act swiftly to quell any outbreaks of the virus. This includes anything from full-scale lockdowns to regular testing and travel restrictions. Many had hoped President Xi Jinping would drop the legislation before the end of the year, as authorities face growing frustration and anger from citizens. But at the recent 20th Communist Party Congress, he made clear this was unlikely to happen anytime soon. Japan is the only G7 country which does not recognize same-sex unions. But its capital, Tokyo, this week began rolling out a partnership certificate scheme. It allows same-sex couples to be treated as married couples uh, for certain public services. This for the first time. Uh, let's take a listen to some of the reactions there. It means a lot because Tokyo is the capital. I hope this movement will spread throughout the rest of the country. There are still areas where the understanding for LGBTQ members is low. I hope this event will ripple throughout those areas. The partnership program is one step forward, but ultimately, it's just a piece of paper. I feel same-sex marriage needs to be legalized. We're a couple, me being Japanese and him being American. So we have the visa issue. 
the issue of him not being able to stay in Japan as a spouse. Well, for more, we can speak to Olivier Favre, LGBTQ plus activist living in Japan, member of Pride House of Tokyo Legacy. Thank you for speaking to France 24. Oh, we heard some of the hope in those sound bites. We also heard some of the limitations. Can we begin, first of all, by you explaining to us what this scheme, what this certificate actually does provide? So it, it's not legally binding. It's a, it's a scheme that will help people uh, get uh, recognized as uh, same-sex partners in places like municipal housing, in municipal hospitals, uh, anything that the Tokyo government controls. Uh, anywhere else, it doesn't have any power to do anything, but it will give us at least some symbolic um, clout as far as being recognized beyond just being two people, maybe living in the same house or, or, or area. So it does give us some um, bureaucratic uh, benefits, but apart from, you know, apart from rights, I don't think it's anything, it's not really a big move forward as far as rights are concerned. Okay, we've seen recent polling suggesting that the majority of people in Japan approve of same-sex marriage. But what we saw in Tokyo this week, very different from the feelings that might be in Osaka, for instance. Uh, yeah, the, the feeling, <laughs> you're talking about the court case, I presume? Yes. Um, yeah, the courts and officialdom, whether it's the government or, or the courts, can be very conservative. They believe in what they consider traditional family family values, uh, LGBTQ rights are considered to be so be a way that uh, family traditional family values will be destroyed. Uh, they blame some some politicians even blame the falling birth rate on you know the rise of LGBTQ awareness, which obviously has is a bit ridiculous. But there is a very uh, the powerful elite in Japan have definitely that kind of. Uh, a very conservative point of view, which is hindering uh, our rights and is definitely against what the majority think in Japan. And Olivia, what do you think the next step should be? We Some of these soundbites talking about issues like adoption, inheritance, spousal visas. What do you think is next in this fight for a greater recognition, more rights in Japan? Well, it's basically up to the government. The, the central government has to do something. Tokyo Metropolitan Government has done the maximum of what it can do. It's a great symbolic uh, boost uh, for the LGBT community, but legally it's it's up to the, the government, which currently is led by a very conservative party. Um, they need to create legislation to help uh, our community, uh, create give us equality. Unfortunately, there's also the problem of the Constitution, which uh, was written in the 1950s uh, and is still... Uh, is worded in a way that can be quite confusing, but that's what uh, the law case, uh, the court cases right now are debating. So is the mood in Tokyo uh, one of celebration, or is this is this bittersweet that, yes, it's a s symbolic step, but it really doesn't amount to much? I think it's a very cautious celebration. It's, it's like, yeah, we're happy that they're doing this. Uh, it now means that 62% of the population is covered by some sort of same-sex partner certificate. There are 239 other administrations around Japan, cities, uh, wards, uh, you know, the equivalent of arrondissement, uh, that have that kind of similar kind of certificates. Uh, but they all do not have the legal bindingness that would be provided by same-sex mar marriage.
And when we talk about support for same-sex uh, marriages in Japan, do you see a divide in the demographics? Is it based on urban areas? Is it based on the generation? How does the support play out among the, the actual population of Japan? It's definitely based on generation. I think people above 50 in Japan tend to be less understanding. Uh, part of it is because they have not had as much uh they weren't able they weren't they hadn't haven't seen many of uh us around uh and there's also a divide uh, in terms of the province the, the further you go out in the province the less there's understanding i think that's not only japan but, but japan is definitely very visible olivier thank you very much for your time and your analysis olivier Favre uh, speaking to us from tokyo pleasure not long ago, Thailand had some of the strictest drug policies in the world. Now, well, it's complicated. Earlier this year, it became the first Asian nation to legalize marijuana. Advocates say the easing effectively decriminalizing the drug, but personal use for non-medical reasons is still heavily discouraged by the government. And it's created a legal gray area that many are rushing to take advantage of. Our team on the ground has more. Just a few months ago, people in Thailand risked up to 15 years in prison or even the death penalty for drug offences. But since June, cannabis has been decriminalised. Officially, the government says the plant should be used for medical, not recreational purposes. But in practice, that line is already blurred. Welcome to Thailand. <laughs> Bangkok is quickly turning into the Amsterdam of Asia. In the Netherlands, people are limited to purchasing five grams per day. But in Thailand, there are no such limits. The government is hoping its U-turn will light up a billion-dollar industry and help tourism recover. Too small, sexy town. <laughs> OK. So nice. Smoking in public, though, is still illegal. People who do so can be charged 670 euros or three months in prison. One gram now costs about 15 euros. It's more expensive than it used to be, but the quality has improved, according to employees at this shop who spend time educating consumers. So a good quality tycoon would have to be crystal clear, like these ones. This is what I would hope one day would come to Thailand. This could not be any more meaningful to me that this happened and I finally get to run my own cannabis business. Take a hit on that one. I'll take a hit on that one. That's for you, my stoner friends. <laughs> Thai law currently restricts people under the age of 20 from using cannabis, but shops rarely check IDs. The medical cannabis industry is also booming. That's a focus of this farm located 250 kilometers outside Bangkok. Sunisa is a former health official turned businesswoman. She's an expert on cannabis policies and THC, the psychoactive chemical that gets users high. Thailand has the center to use THC for cannabis. More than another country, not, uh, not America, not Canada. Yes, all Thailand only. <laughs> the government has promised to give away one million seedlings to farmers, an attempt to revive a crop used in traditional medicine for centuries. In this luxury hotel near the cultivation, Sunisa has opened a cannabis health clinic. Patients with various diseases ranging from insomnia to terminal cancer hope to benefit from massages and other treatments using marijuana extracts. In Thailand, there are no regulations when it comes to advertising the benefits of cannabis. 
There is also no obligation to inform customers about the potential risks associated with its use. 1,800 doctors have petitioned against the legalisation. They're concerned about the well-documented risks of addiction and negative effects on young people. I'm stayed in America. There are more regulation. Go to the shop and you say that uh, in the cigarette there is a picture that shows that it's, it's harmful if you smoke or something. But cannabis have no regulate like that. They promote only benefit of cannabis. I'm very worried. Many have even talked about an alliance between the powerful health minister who's behind the policy and the cannabis industry. Under pressure, the government is now drafting additional regulations over cannabis use. That's it for this week. Thank you for watching and please stay tuned to France 24. France 24, more than ever before, is your window onto the world. Liberté, égalité, actualité.